0: Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. You know, many of you are curious about what the war in Israel reveals about the end times. Anybody been wondering? Just two of us. Maybe we should pay closer attention (laughs) to what's going on. with. It's really important what happens to Israel, by the way. Well, I'm here to give you some answers from the word of God, and this is going to settle your anxieties. Have y'all know that the Lord is all about settling those anxieties? You're going to leave here comforted. The rapture, the tribulation, and the end times have been stern in my spirit for months now, and there's many differing views. Has anybody noticed that <laughs> about the end times? And they're all coming to the forefront. All the different views are coming to the forefront, and they're causing confusion. And God's not the author of confusion. And I didn't want to add to the noise. So I told the Lord several months back, I said, I'm not talking about it until you tell me to. And guess what? Through the sweet Holy Spirit, the Lord told me it's time. It's time. And he's given me an order to speak boldly and clearly and make no apologies for what he's given me to share today. The Lord has made me firm on what I believe in this area. I'm no longer examining the many different viewpoints to figure out which one's right. I know what is right, and I will confirm it with the Word of God. This really isn't hard to understand when you discard the things that people say, and instead go to Scripture. And when you go to Scripture, though, there's a a secret ingredient here. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Otherwise, you're trying to figure these things out with your mind. And how many of y'all have figured out that your mind likes to mislead you? The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into all truth. He is the spirit of truth. So that's what I did a couple of years ago, because I didn't really know if I was a pre-trib or a, a post-trib or a no-trib or a no-rapture, you know, whatever the options are. I didn't know what kind, what guy I was. And that really bothered my wife at the time. She's like, how can you not know? But I wanted to know, so I humbled myself before the Lord. And I laid down all the all my preconceived ideas and what I had heard from others, and it Honestly, I hadn't even heard that much from others. It didn't, I don't remember it being talked about too much throughout church. I know it was. I guess I just wasn't in the right denomination. I don't know. See, Beth grew up in the Pentecostal denomination. They talked about it every Sunday. <laughs> so I humbled myself before the Lord, and I laid down all my preconceived ideas and what I'd heard from others, and I went to Scripture, and I trusted that the Holy Spirit is going to make this clear for me. He's not going to leave me confused. He's not going to leave me wondering. He's going to give me the answer. Wouldn't you know it? He did what I asked. Can you believe that? You asked the Holy Spirit for answers and he gives them to you. I read through Revelation. I read in the Gospels where Jesus talks about it. I read in Thessalonians and it didn't take long before it all came into focus and it became as clear as day. Oh, all the books agree. They all agree. The church will be raptured. We will be caught away from this earth before the tribulation. And I no longer hope this is true. I know this is true, but don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Let me show you 10 places in the word of God that reveal this is God's plan. And I understand that this topic can get people stirred up. Maybe I already got somebody stirred up. That's why I wanted to come out of the gate swinging. Here's what I believe. So you know, but I encourage you, even if you have a different viewpoint to just listen to me with an open heart today, because the Lord wants to make this clear for his church. He wants us all to be on the same page regarding this. And if you put down your defenses, he washes away all the confusion. He really does. I also encourage you to write down these scriptures today. Take them home and do what I did. Humble yourself before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me into old truth. Don't Google it. Don't find out what pastor, super pastor so-and-so says about it or what author so-and-so said in his latest book, her latest book. You need to go to the word of God and you need to humble yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into old truth. You know what? Every time you do that, he does. All the confusion is washed away. So let me take you through 10 reasons in the word of God why you should expect a pre-tribulation rapture. Gosh, I, Holy Spirit says, don't go on yet. You need to get this. Don't Google it. That's, that's, that's our go-to now. It's like, I'm confused. So I'm going to go Google it and find out what everybody else says about it. And then you get more confused. Stop doing that. Stop do, if you have a hard time believing what I tell you today, that's fine. Take these scriptures and take them home. Let the word of God speak to you. So number one, reason number one, the dominion of the church. When God created the earth, he gave a man dominion over it, right? He gave Adam dominion over the earth. And then when Adam sinned, what happened? He gave that dominion to Satan. And here's the good news. When Jesus died, he went to hell. Satan thought he was there to stay, but he was really there to get the keys back, the keys of the kingdom, So Jesus took dominion back, and then he rose from the dead, and now he sits at the right hand of God with all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. Christ is the head, the church is his body. How does Christ exercise his authority on the earth? Through the church. We are his hands and feet, correct? Has anybody ever said that? The proof of this is in Acts chapter 9 when Jesus said this, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute the church? Nope, that's not what he said. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? But who was Paul persecuting? The church. Jesus refers to the church as himself. Isn't that powerful? We truly are the body of Christ. So as long as the church is here, guess what? The church is in charge. We've been talking about the kingdom a lot lately, haven't we? And this brings up an interesting question. Who has dominion over the earth during the tribulation? The Antichrist. During the tribulation, have you noticed how there are several people in history who could have qualified as the Antichrist? Who's the first one that comes to mind? Hitler. Satan knows he has to have the Antichrist ready when the rapture occurs. The problem is Satan doesn't know the exact time the rapture is going to occur. All the previous attempts at an Antichrist failed. Did you notice that? Hitler's not around anymore. It failed. Why? Because the church is in charge. We carry the authority of Christ. So when we step in, Satan has to step back. The gates of hell cannot prevail against what? The church. When we step in, Satan has to step out. That's why you you shouldn't get bent out of shape about deliverance and casting out demons. Because when we step in, Satan has to step out. So walk in your authority. We don't need to revisit deliverance. You just get delivered and move on, right? You just got to know your authority. So as long as the church is here, any attempt at an antichrist will fail. There is a power that resides within the church that Satan cannot overcome. There is a power that resides within the church that Satan cannot overcome. Satan is not over our heads. He's not looking us eye to eye. Where is he? He's under our feet. Satan is under our feet. We need to bring out that song, right? Satan is under our feet. He's under our feet. He was under our feet yesterday. He's under our feet today. And he's going to remain under our feet. So let me make this clear as day. When you don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, you don't believe in the dominion of the church. At what point does the Bible say the church will hand dominion back over to Satan? Satan. It's not going to happen. Christ redeemed dominion, and he's never giving it back. The only way for the Antichrist to take dominion over the world is for the church to be moved out of the way. Which brings up the first scripture I'm going to take you to today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6-8. through And you know what's holding him back. We're talking about the Antichrist. You know what's holding the Antichrist back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Why? What what we see in America going on right now, this craziness, LGBTQ, all the stuff that's going on. Why? Because the church stepped out of the way. You can see what happens when the church steps out of the way. But guess what? The church is stepping back in, in America right now. And that's why America is going to be redeemed. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. When the church steps out of the way completely, the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. Woo. Can you see why Satan's so frustrated right now? He can't do anything without the cooperation of the church. The, 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 the terrible things we see going on in America is because the church has been cooperating with it. He can't do anything without the cooperation of the church. There are churches just like ours, rising up everywhere, holding back the Antichrist so that people have the opportunity to come to Christ before the tribulation. If you believe the church has the power to hold back the Antichrist, why don't you stand to your feet right now and give God praise? Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. I believe it. Shout for joy. (laughs) Satan is under your feet. And he's going to stay there. Hey. Amen. All right, y'all can sit down. That was good. That was good. All right, number two. The church disappears after Revelation chapter three. Revelation chapters one through three are all about the church, the seven letters to the seven churches written by the Lord Jesus himself. And then take a look at what happens in chapter four. This is how it opens. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me saying, come up here and I will show you the things which must must take place after this. Does that sound familiar? The trumpet call of God calling you to meet him in the air. Come up here. What you need to recognize here is that the church is not mentioned in Revelation again until the last chapter. There's a complete void of the mention of the church in Revelation chapters 4 through Revelation 21. Why? Because there's a void of the church in the tribulation. Come on. The church did not here during the tribulation because why? It was raptured. It's gone. We had to get out of the way so the Antichrist could be revealed and do his thing. And then the Lord comes and takes care of it all. Number three, the days of Noah. Jesus loves to teach in parables. These picture stories give us clarity on what he needs us to know. So he gave us several parables and Old Testament comparisons to help us understand the end times. Aren't you thankful? Jesus is an awesome teacher. So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 through 41, here's what Jesus said. When the son of man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Me too. So let me take you back to Sunday school as a kid. When the flood came... Did Noah have to tread water for seven days first? Did he have to swim to the boat and find his rescue? Not one drop of rain, not one drop of God's judgment was allowed to fall until Noah and his family were safely sealed within the ark. God does not pour out his wrath on the righteous. He never has and he never will. Number four, the days of Lot. Noah isn't the only representation of how this is going to play out. We have another one as well. Take a look. It's found in Luke chapter 17, verse 28. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People were about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning slot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Did Lot leave Sodom while fire was raining down from heaven? Was he dodging burning sulfur on the way out? Not one flame of God's judgment was released until God first sent angels to remove Lot out of the city. He had to be in safety first because God does not pour out his wrath on the righteous. He never has and he never will. Do we have any righteous in the room tonight? Do we have any righteous watching online right now? The church, we have the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Back then, it was only one man in the days of Lot. His wife didn't even make it because she turned around and looked back. There's only one family in the days of Noah. But this time, it's going to be a lot of us because we are the church. We've been given the gift of righteousness. All right, number five, Jesus' promise of protection. Turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read Jesus' letter to the church in Philadelphia, and that starts at verse 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I tell you what, Jesus describes himself a little differently in the opening to each letter, and every one of them is powerful. Like, man, those would write some good worship songs. Beth. Beth. Dylan, y'all go, there's just some some content there. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones that I love. (laughs) I love that. For all those people that think Jesus is like a, a hippie Jesus, a soft Jesus. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to the world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches." Let's take one more look at verse 10. I'll put it on the screen. Because you've obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Did it say that Jesus will protect us in the great time of testing? It says that he will protect us from the great time of testing. I am fully convinced, if you can't tell, in the pre-tribulation rapture, we are going to hear the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ will rise out of their graves, and we who are alive will meet them in the air and we'll go and be with the Lord. Amen. Mm. I just gave you five biblical reasons this is true. I have five more for you, but I'm not going to give them to you until Sunday. <laughs> this is enough for you to think about between now and then. If you found the first five encouraging, just wait till you hear the next five. So if you have friends and family who need to hear this, invite them to church on Sunday. Let's pack out both services and let people know what's coming, all right? This is one of the most important messages they need to hear. So to wrap this up, let's talk about the war in Israel. Because many are asking, is this fulfillment of biblical prophecy? Specifically, I believe people wonder if this specific war is mentioned in the Bible. And the answer to that question is no. No this would be considered a birth pain, according to scripture. And Jesus explains this in Matthew 24. So let's turn there. Matthew 24, we'll start at verse four. Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. That's your word for today. Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed, and you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come." So anything that happens to Israel is significant. It has significance with Bible, biblical prophecy. We should be paying attention to what's happening with the people of Israel. The war we see today is one of the birth pains that's going to lead into the delivery of the Antichrist. I pray this wakes you up. Because Jesus just issued a stern warning in what we just read. Those who endure to the end will be saved. This means you are at risk of not enduring. This ought to slap the idea of casual Christianity right out of your mind. You best stop living a sloppy life and start training for endurance. Serious. We get more clarity from Jesus in the book of Luke. Take a look. This is Luke chapter 21. He says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap for that day will come upon everyone living in the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape the coming horrors and stand before the son of man. Escape the coming horrors. I wonder what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit has done a great job over the past three years, reminding the church that we're free from sin. Aren't you thankful? We're not just forgiven, we're free. The John the Baptist anointing has been here with us. That's what it's called. It's been shouting, repent, prepare ye the way of the Lord, because he's coming. And this will continue until the Lord comes again. But I believe for the most part, the true church of Jesus Christ has eliminated sloppy grace and are once again pursuing righteousness. The biggest temptation for the church was sin just a few years ago, but now we need to watch out for the things that dull our hearts. We're being tempted to put anything and everything above the things of God. The enemy is working to get us to do anything except spend time with God in God's presence and spending time with God's people. You can do anything except those two things. For the past several weeks, there's been frustration stirring in many people right here in our church. And some have even even risen up with a stern rebuke for those who are prioritizing things over God, the things of God. And now I understand why. Jesus is issuing a stern rebuke to save you. To save you. You're being tempted to do things that dull your heart towards God. And Jesus is bringing out the rescue paddle He's got to do that sometimes. He's going to paddle your rear end. So listen carefully. There will be many people who end up in hell because they became lukewarm. There was a time they did all kinds of things in Jesus' name, but then they turned their attention somewhere else. They became indifferent, and they ran out of oil. We can call them the foolish virgins. Go read that story later. There is nothing more important than the things of God. You know where you're spending eternity, right? In heaven or hell. Are we really gonna get wrapped up in the things of this life and risk our eternity? There is nothing more important than the things of God. So we must fan the flame until we're so on fire that we will wreck our schedules to be involved in the things of God. God, what are you doing? I don't care what I had planned. I'm going to do what you're doing because what you're doing is more important to me. Actually, it's the most important to me. And you fan the flame and you fan the flame. When you become indifferent... Let me just use this as an example. When you become indifferent about Sunday service, if you could take it or leave it, I could just take it or leave it, that's a warning sign. Whoop, 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 whoop. You're entering dangerous territory. If something as menial as sports or work or sleep become more important than gathering together with the body of Christ, watch out. It's amazing how this is coming true right in front of my eyes. It's so, it's, it's so obvious why Jesus issued this warning because it's going to be common as we approach his return. It's going to become more common for people to become indifferent. It's going to become more common for people to become lukewarm. People who were once on fire to God, for God, people who once served in ministry are becoming lukewarm. Why? Because it's a sign of the end times. So watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape those coming horrors and stand before the son of man. So this is how we're gonna pray tonight. We're gonna pray that we might be strong enough to escape the coming horrors. I don't want you to miss the rapture of the church because you were just consumed with the things of this life. How dumb would you feel? to miss the rapture of the church because you would rather go do this other thing. Somebody else pulled for my attention and they shouted louder than Cade did, so I'm gonna go over there. Plus, Cade's pretty nice, so he probably won't even call me and, and say that I should get back to church. Fan the flame. Watch out. Make sure that you don't become indifferent. Make sure that you don't become lukewarm. Watch out. Has anybody felt the pull? to become lukewarm. Yes, we're all filling that pool. So what do we do? We pray that we might be strong enough to escape the coming horror. So stand with me, we're gonna pray together. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening, now let's go make a difference.